You know, if you wanted to give a visit to John or Barb, I think they'd enjoy that. Um, you might need to call John. He may not hear the door when you're knocking, but uh, you call him. Um, and even uh, uh, with Brother Wayne, the family said they were, they were leaving it open for people to visit. So I, I, I don't know. We don't know how long he's going to be there. It's, uh, it's not pleasant to see a, a dear brother in the, the condition that he's in. But, um, you know, uh, he is in St. Vincent's, St. Vincent's in the critical care unit there. So, yep. Hey, uh, Pete and Linda, are they doing all right? Does anybody know? Well, Pete, Linda, I hope you're doing all right. All right. What's that? Okay. Well, that, hopefully that means they're healthy. So, somebody, Charlotte? Well, Barb's at home. She's waiting on surgery. I, it's supposed to be outpatient. So, yeah. All right. Somebody else? Okay. Uh, Galatians 5, if you are able to stand, let's go ahead and look at just a couple verses. I do plan to complete the chapter here. I, there's really one primary, primary objective. I want us to read, begin at verse 14. We will read to verse 18. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. <clears throat> this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. So the title is real simple. We're going to take it out of verse 18. If ye be led of the Spirit, we'll just take that phrase there, that statement. If ye be led of the Spirit. We can't live the Christian life, ladies and gentlemen, outside the aid of the Holy Ghost. We do not have it within us, in our flesh, Regardless of how disciplined we were before we got saved, we don't have it within us to live the Christian life the way God wants us to without the assistance of the Holy Ghost. So we're going to zero in on that thought. Those are very familiar verses for people who've been in church for a while, but they're scriptures that we need to, uh, we need, they, it needs to be more than theoretical knowledge. We need to have an experiential uh, look at this so that we can say, yes, it's true. When I walk in the Spirit, I don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So anyways, let's, let's pray. Lord, may you bless the service. May the Holy Spirit help me to teach. I am so grateful for your patience and mercy, your grace, your love, your holy word. 
I am so grateful for the good people that you've brought into my life. It sounds selfish, but I'm very thankful for the friendships that have been developed because of the faith. My dearest friends, I pray that you bless this meeting as I count these people as friends. And Lord God, I pray that you would help us, speak to us. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Now, it's interesting, in Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul gives a testimony in Romans chapter 7, and you'll read it kind of like this. You know, he says this. He says, uh, there are things I want to do, but I can't, and there are things I don't want to do, but I find myself doing. And, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body, uh, bondage of this iniquity? And if you've read that, you may have thought, well, that, that's talking about me, <laughs> I remember the first time I read it thinking, well, I can understand that. I can relate to that. That's almost every believer's, really, that, that could be every believer's biography there. But the book of Romans, it has a, it has a uh, process to it. And Paul doesn't end there in Romans 7 with that great struggle, but he goes on into chapter 8. And it doesn't take a theologian to figure out, as you go into chapter 8, All of a sudden, the mentioning of the Holy Ghost of God, the Holy Spirit is mentioned, and we find that it is through the Holy Spirit that we get victory over this old flesh. There's a lot of complementary passages between Galatians and Romans, and of course, Romans is is even more in-depth. But I love the simplicity of Galatians here. It really, it does help me. And so, coming back to Galatians, coming back to Galatians 5 here, we need to remember this. As we go into chapter 5, the Apostle Paul has laid down the evidence, both historically, scripturally, logically, that you're saved by grace through faith, not of works. He's made it clear. And now he goes into chapter 5, and he wants them to know just because you're saved by grace through faith, not of works, doesn't mean you have the right to live lawless. Just because you are freed from the bondage of the law, doesn't mean the law doesn't have uh, usefulness. And really, it could be summed up, he wants them to know, we read verse 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And by the way, that was a theme even in the Old Testament. In Leviticus, that is written. In Exodus, that is written. And so, when Jesus is asked, what are the great two commandments? He says, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Upon those two hang all the law. That's always been the objective, the motive. If we could love God the way we ought to, that will help us in turn love man. And if we love man the way God wants us to, it'll have a natural effect on our behavior. It just will. And so, then he goes on in this chapter to let us know that the fleshly nature was not eradicated at salvation. We didn't get rid of those old sinful appetites when we called on Christ. 
It didn't take us long to figure out, I've still got problems. And many, for many who were not grounded in the Word after they got saved, they would go through this. They would backslide, gratifying all of the lust of the flesh. It would convict them. They didn't know it, but they were quenching the Spirit. They were grieving the Spirit. They'd come to church, they'd hear a message, and they'd say to themselves, I can't be saved for the things I've done. And they'd come forward and they'd call on Christ again. Hello? And then if they didn't grow and that was enough and they felt a little relief of conscience, of mind, I'm saved now this time, and then they'll backslide, they never got plugged in, they'll go through the whole process again. When the reality is you can't lose it if you got it. You can't lose it. But there's a reason for that grief and that anguish and that struggle. Because you did not eradicate the old man. He didn't go away. He's with us. We look at him every day in the mirror if we brush our teeth and comb our hair. So, Paul says, there are some issues here between he and the Spirit. Verse 17, the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. It is fascinating to me, because I, I, I love studying the Old Testament, to see this illustrated in Old Testament characters, in Old Testament types. Here's some examples. So, uh, we could... Uh, if we break these characters up and, we, and I was to say, ask you, which one represents flesh, which one represents spirit, I think you'd figure it out. So let's start with Cain. Who, does, who would he represent? Works of the flesh. Remember, he brought his good works. Abel, though, who does he represent? Work of the spirit. Yeah, the fruit of the spirit there. Okay, then you've got uh, Ishmael and Isaac. Who's a product of the flesh? Ishmael. Isaac was a product of the Word of God, uh, the promise of God. And then you've got Jacob and Esau. Who's the firstborn? Esau. Esau was. Who despised his birthright? Esau. And so you have this there. As a matter of fact, I can't remember their names, but Judah had twins with a gal by the name of Tamar. And as she was giving birth, the first child breached its hand through, and they put a a scarlet thread on that baby's hand. But that baby with the scarlet thread did not come out first. The other baby did. And then that baby with the scarlet hand came out. Once again, a picture of you're born first in the flesh. And then, if you're born again, you're born second by the Spirit. Saved by the blood. I don't feel like I'm being too deep in all of that. I think that's understandable. And so, I want us to read verses seven or verse uh, 19 through 21 because Paul goes on to talk about the works of the flesh here. I'm not going to go into detail on each one of these. Many of them deal with moral sins, moral perversion even. And then that leads on to hatred, envy, murder, Verse 
19, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Oh, the coffee right there. Break, got a question. I do anyways. I don't know if you do. They're not going to inherit the kingdom of God, says the word of God. That crowd is not going to inherit the kingdom of God, says the word of God. So I don't know about you, but uh, this question arises in discipling a young man right now. And he had, it, it arose in his mind as well. And that is, uh, so if we do any of those things, uh, do we not inherit the kingdom of God? Is that what that's saying? First of all, that is not what that's saying. It's not saying that a saved person who would do any of those things is going to lose their salvation. It's not saying that. Well, you better make it clear. Okay, good. Good. Uh, It is saying those works, they will not be in heaven. That is not heavenly. Now, they that do such things, well, okay, who's going to do such things? Who is known for doing such things? Well, let's, let's first of all start at the basic. Who is known for doing such things? Safe people or, or fleshly people or spiritual people? Fleshly. Well, who's more fleshly? Who would be more fleshly, lost people or safe people? Well, they would. Now, the question arises. Can saved people be fleshly? Well, absolutely, they can. They can. Well, then how are you going to convince me that a saved person can do that and still be saved? Do you want convinced, yes or no? I, we can move on. Okay. So I'm going, to, I'm going to go to the same verses. Jason, same verses. Turn to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. So we need to do this because we need to rightly divide the word of truth. And anytime I come across a passage that looks like it could be difficult to interpret or could confuse us uh, in regards to our salvation, well, we need to figure out what the Word of God says. And we need to let the Word of God uh, define the Word of God. Okay? And so in Romans chapter 4, verse, uh, let me read verses 5 through 8. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for what? Righteousness. Okay? That means to him that worketh not, but he puts faith in Jesus. Verse 6. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. So God will... That word impute means to put to one's account. God puts righteousness on our account without works. How does that take place? Well, it took place when I sought His mercy, depended upon Him. In His mercy, 
which endureth forever. He gave it to me because he knows the heart and he knows whether or not I'm being genuine in my need for it. Hello? And then we read on. Verse 7, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Didn't say who's without sin. Did it? It didn't say, blessed are they who are without sin. Because there ain't nobody like that. Nobody like that. Except Jesus. If you're either saint or ain't, either way you have sin. But if you're a saint, your sins are covered. That's the difference. And then the next verse. The next verse is just awesome. They're all awesome. Verse 8, blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute. He will not impute sin. Uh, What if they sin? He's not going to put it to their account. What if they lie? He's not going to put it to their account. What if they steal? What if they murder? If they're saved, he's not going to put it. I'm telling you what the Bible says, and I'm not trying to confuse you, but the reality is this. God says... Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Well, how do I get how do I get there? Well, I gotta be saved. I gotta I gotta receive Christ. Well, does that mean I, the door's open now? I've got a license to sin, a liberty for lawlessness, I can do whatever I want? Oh no. Because when you got saved, you got born again. The Spirit of God came in your heart. John 1:12. To as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. Hebrews 12, 8. Hebrews 12, for time's sake, I'm going to quote these. Hebrews 12, 8 says, But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. If ye be without chastisement, without correction, whereof all are partakers. Who's that all? Who's that all talking about? Anybody got a guess? When it says, if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, who's that all talking about? Save people. Those who have put their faith in Jesus. I'm talking about Hebrews 12, 8 right now. I know it seems like we're a long ways away, but the whole Bible's connected. All roads lead to the cross. That all is talking about saved people, so now let's, let's hear it again. If ye be without chastisement or correction, whereof all, God's people, children, are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Now that word bastard, that's a Bible word. It simply means you're not God's child. We go back to Galatians chapter 5. If the dudes in verses 19 through 21 do not have the Spirit of God in them, they're going to commit those things and they will not inherit the kingdom of God. And by the way, they are apt to, they are apt to behave in these ways. But the reality is this. If you are saved, can you do these things? Yes. 
But what will happen? What will happen if you do these things, if you are saved? Whom the Lord loveth, he what? If you are saved and you do these things, he will chasten, correct. Anybody been on that end of the stick? Four or five of us. And how many can say, I'm glad for his chastening hand? I honestly can. Because his chastening hand did a number of things. Number one, it convinced me I must be his child. I must be his child. He won't let me get away with this. And two, he made sin feel bad. He took the pleasure out of my sin. The pain of it was more heavy than the pleasure. So I think I'll avoid that now. Hello? Now, we need to look at Romans 8 real quick. Romans 8. This is all introductory. I'm sorry, but we got to look at this. Romans 8. Oh, I'm not sorry, really. I'm not sorry. Romans 8. Look at verse 9. Or verse 8 and 9. Verse 8. Romans 8, 8, so, they, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is what? That's all we need to read there. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Oh, well, yeah, there's another verse. Romans 8, did you fold it? I didn't mean to have you fold it. Look at verse 16. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You ever had assurance of your salvation? I mean, like, ah, I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven because I received Christ. That's awesome. Well, the assurer is right there in verse 16. He's the one that did that for you. Now, can you lose that assurance? Well, yeah, but you can't lose your salvation if you got it. You can't. Now, go back to Galatians. Let's do this real quick. Once again, I'm just trying to lay something down so that we all are on the same page here. Galatians 3.26. 3.26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in who? Okay, so what is the prerequisite for being a child of God? How do we become a child of God? According to Christ. You can all speak. It's all right. I mean, you're acting shy on me. The one condition to be a child of God is what? Faith in? Let's say his name. Don't be ashamed to say that name, especially in church. Christ Jesus. Faith in Christ Jesus made us a child of God. Look at chapter 4, verse 6. Ladies, don't be upset because the word sons is there. Okay, don't let that get you. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into where? Crying, Abba, Father, Papa, Daddy. Verse 7, wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Because you're a child of God, the spirit of God abides in you. Because the spirit of God abides in you, you're a child of God. God's word declares that, makes it very clear. Experience, if you look back in your own life, if you're saved, yes, 
you should be able to say, yes, I remember having that assurance when I called on Christ. And I'm thankful for the promises of God's Word. And I'm thankful that it's not by works. I'm thankful that it's not by deeds. I'm thankful it's not by religious behavior. I'm thankful it's, it's all about putting my faith dependency in Jesus. Now we come back here to chapter Galatians 5 and we say to ourselves, but what about this flesh? How do we get the old flesh under control? Because this flesh, it, it's so selfish and yet there's so many things in this world that appeal to the flesh and will lure us away. Uh, but some of us that have lived long enough, we've discovered when we've dabbled out there, we only get ourselves in trouble when we get away and we start living after the flesh. And so, the verse, verse 18 says, But if ye be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. If ye be led of the Spirit. Now, you know, I can't... It, it's hard for the Spirit to lead if I'm not going to follow. i got to be willing to follow. Now, um, if I don't follow, there are works that are going to be manifest in my life. I may not... You may not go to those degrees there, verses 19 through 21... We get ornery. We don't treat each other right. Now, if we'll follow the Spirit of God, we get to enjoy the fruit of the Spirit of God here in verse 22 and 23. And, and look at verse 24. Verse 24. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. So here's, here's the way it kind of works here. So uh, say I'm following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. He's invisible, so you can't see him. Uh, but he's right here. And he's leading me this way. And then he's leading me this way. And I've discovered uh, some things about the Holy Spirit. But just to suffice it to say, sometimes he leads me in a way that is my flesh fights it. Whether it be my flesh doesn't get to gratify its selfish appetites. And the Spirit says, no, no, no. And, you, and, so, and so if I follow the Spirit, inevitably, they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. That's the objective. That's the objective, Paul's saying. That's the direction. Not for salvation, but that's to identify with God, to bring him glory. And then verse 25 and 26, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. So you'll know you're not in the Spirit if your motives are vain glory. That's your telltale sign. Now, the sermon. Why do people not follow the Spirit who claim to know Christ? Why do people not follow the Spirit if they claim to know Christ? So here we go. Number one, first reason, and again, this is not exhaustive, this is just one of three reasons they are not saved. Uh, Noah released how many birds? Two birds. And they are what ones? Raven and dove. 
And if you recall the story, when he released them, only one bird returned. Which one was it? Okay. Later on, later on, he released the dove again, and the dove returned with an olive leaf, which is always typical of witness. He was bearing witness of the new earth. And we find the dove is a beautiful type of the Holy Ghost. Why is it that the raven, where did the raven go? How did the raven survive? Dead carcasses. Dead. You know, that's kind of dead carcasses. Carcasses are dead anyways. I guess I didn't have to. Rotten carcasses. Carcasses are rotten too. The ravens lived on (laughs) all the nasty leftover of the old world. The raven is a picture of the old man. Now watch this. Uh, The reason some people don't follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit is they're just flat out not saved because they don't have that new nature. They're like the raven. They can live off the old. Now, they go through the motions maybe a little while, but they live off the old world, old man. Are you hearing me? Okay. That's one reason some people do not follow the Spirit. They're just not even saved. That's just, they're not. Number two... It could be they're saved, but they want to indulge their flesh. Is that possible? Yes, it is, uh, because I have. Don't throw things, because you have to. Why? Why do some people not follow the leadership of the Spirit? They want to indulge their flesh, and sometimes indulging their flesh is contrary to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Esau despised his birthright. It was his, but he said to Jacob, I'm so hungry, I'm going to die. Give me that chili and I'll give you my birthright. I'll swap a bowl of chili for the blessings of God. And that's what a lot of God's people do. We don't often realize it because when we're carnally minded, we don't think big picture. We think immediate satisfaction. And as a result, often we sacrifice the permanent blessings from later on. But the reality is this. The reality is some people don't follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit because they just flat out, it's not ignorance, they just flat out, they know what's right. They just, they want to indulge the flesh. And so those people have to learn the hard way. Uh, the, little, the young boy that went to the far country, he came home, didn't he? But he learned the hard way. Hey, David, did you figure out, you know, that relationship was wrong? Yeah, after the death of four sons, he learned the hard way. Are you hearing me? So sometimes some people just got to learn the hard way. I can bark and scream and shout, and you can bark and scream and shout and try to tell them to do right and pray for them. And then, but inevitably, okay, go ahead and touch the fire. Because once you do, you'll know. Our little grandbaby, uh, he might have been a year and a half, and he called, the word hot was stop, stop, 
I don't know how ST got in there, but he touched the fireplace. They have a little fireplace. He touched that thing. Brianna was just absolutely beside herself when she heard him crying and she saw him over by. He touched the, that screen. He got a little blister on his fingers. She was just mortified, crying, and and uh, <clears throat> a little bit later that day, I told her, I said, "Well, he won't touch that again." Later that day, Bree was walking by the fireplace. He grabbed her leg and said, "Stop, stop!" He pulled on her. I thought you'd like that story. I did. That was kind of cool. He not not only did he learn, he didn't want anybody else to touch it. And listen, that's what happens a lot of times. We indulge and we run from the Lord and we face the consequences and we say, we look back and we say to you teens, don't go there. Don't go there. It's by God's grace we made it. I know some people that don't come back. And so, why do people not follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit? Well, they're not saved or they want to indulge their flesh. Or number three, they just don't know about the leadership of the Spirit. They're like the, like the folks in uh, Acts 19 that Paul, in, in Ephesus that Paul run into. And when he said, have you received the Holy Spirit? And he said, we don't even know if there is a Holy Spirit. We've not heard about any Holy Spirit. And so some people just don't know. When you first got saved, you may not have known. I didn't know there was a Holy Spirit. I didn't know that that light in my heart and my mind that gave me assurance was the work of the Holy Spirit. I didn't know that. You may not have known that either. And so we need knowledge. We need understanding. So let me give you some understanding here. Okay, so as the leadership of the Holy Spirit, you can be sure He will never lead you contrary to the Scriptures. You can be sure of that. I don't care what kind of mighty works are done. He won't lead you contrary to the Scripture. There's going to be a lot of false teachers out there and antichrists out there. And and even the Lord Jesus said, beware of the signs and wonders because antichrist will produce signs and wonders. And if you're leaning on that, you can be led away from the Scriptures. Peter said there's a more sure word of prophecy and he, was, he had just talked about his mountaintop experience watching Jesus glow in the dark with Moses and Elijah and how he got to see that and that experience. And then he says, but we have a more sure word of prophecy, the Holy Writ. Peter said that because experiences can change and we can be wooed and directed. And we need to understand, if I'm going to be led by the Spirit, I will not be led contrary to the leadership of Scripture, which means I ought to learn the Bible. Number two, well, this is underneath this. Uh, Another way, another thing to know about the Holy Spirit, He will strengthen those who follow the light of God's Word. You know, when we read there, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. You've got to kind of visualize this fruit tree that's got all of those on there, but it's only available as you are willing to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. As you are willing to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit and you decide, I'm going to 
crucify the flesh. I'm not going to partake in this. I know it's sin. Or, or this person's irritating the fire out of me and I really want to react. But I know this is the answer. I need, what do I need? I need some uh, uh, meekness. Yeah, yeah. I need some uh, joy. Peace, I need some peace. I need some long-suffering. Let me have a couple doses of long-suffering. This is all available through the Spirit as you follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. He strengthens us to do what we can't do, but we got to make a decision about it. Therein is the balance. I know, I, it seems like, well, if he just naturally produced that, I wouldn't ever have to worry about people irritating me and reacting because I'll just be led this way. That's not, if you read the passage, it says, no, you got to crucify the flesh and the affections thereof. That's what the Bible says. So then what's the, what's the benefit here? Well, I got I to gotta feed on the fruit of the Spirit. I, I need some mercy. And you know what? You find it at the cross. So somebody wounds you, they hurt you. Well, how do you deal with that? At the cross? At the cross, where I first saw the light. And the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I'm happy all the day. There's fruit from that cross, fruit of the Spirit. All I got to do is go back and remember how much He did for me to forgive me. And I let it, need to let it sink in. I need to remember that he poured it all out for me. I mean, every, he, sh, he shed his blood. He, he loved not his life unto the death for little old me, wicked me. He, for me, when I wasn't looking for him, he was looking for me. And oh, if I, if I can dwell there long enough and think about that mercy and that love and that patience and that grace, and that kindness, oh, and that temperance, and I dwell on that, and I draw that in. You know what? What you've done to me isn't that bad. Compares to what I did to him. Don't you think that your sins didn't put him on the cross, because they did. And when we do that, When I follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit, I can be strengthened as I follow the light of God's Word. Oh, I just don't want to go to church today. I, maybe I can pretend I'm sick. And then the Lord says, you know, I endured. I endured. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, verse 3, consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be weary and faint in your mind. Well, what's, what's, he, what's the writer telling us? He's saying, eat some of that spiritual fruit. I'm not done. I'm not done. Hold on now. Hey, there's the clock's out. There is no clock. How can we redeem the time if there's no clock? 
The Holy Spirit, I said, will never lead us contrary to God's Word. He will strengthen those who follow the light of God's Word. And He will not lead us... Oh, you're going to like me for this one. Because your last one was probably uncomfortable. But you're going to like me for this one. He will not lead us to do what we cannot physically do. Yeah, let that sink in. Yeah, let it sink in. Okay, I can hear a question. Uh, Peter walked on water. Who gave him permission? The Word said come. And if the Word says come, friend, you can come. You know, if David, you know, David had 600 soldiers. He's in Ziklag. He just got word that, uh, um, well, everything's been stolen, burned. Children are gone. His men want to kill him. He seeks the Lord. God, what do you want me to do? God said, go after him. And so they rally together and they take off. And the Bible says in 1 Samuel 30, 200 of them were so faint they couldn't go. So David says, stay by the stuff. And he and the 400 that are healthy enough, they go. They conquer. They rescue. They recover all. And they come back. And they have the spoils, the goods of all that they conquered. And they come back. And David says, we're splitting this amongst those who stayed by the stuff and ourselves. Now, if David didn't expect that 200 to go when they were faint, don't think God's expecting you to do what you physically, physically can't do either. Hello? If you're ill, if the equipment doesn't work like it used to, God knows that. Stay by the stuff. Do what you can. You know, the greatest thing you, you can do, the greatest thing we all can do is be soldiers in the prayer room. If you're not doing that, it really, all the other stuff does not really matter. We need people to pray. And so, he will, hey, the clock came back on. Paul, did you do that? You should have set it back. Now I feel rushed. <laughs> the Holy Spirit will never lead us contrary to God's word. He will strengthen those who follow the light of God's word. He will not lead us to do what we cannot physically do. If David wouldn't do that, I guarantee you the Spirit of God's not going to do that. And he will always lead us to where God gets the most glory. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the... That's it. We have no higher calling. We have no higher calling. The flower that blooms in the desert at night that rarely a human eye would ever see blooms for God. And God is just as pleased with that flower blooming there, as he is the rose petals at the Rose Bowl when Michigan won. 
I just had to throw that in. Just had to throw that in. It's, gonna, it's it. It's, we're coming to an end there. So, there's our Bible study for tonight. We better wrap it up. Got one minute to go. Lord, may you bless our service. Thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for your truth. May we be spirit-led people, and may we be scripturally-minded people who understand what the leadership of the Spirit really is. And may we be a people who can rightly divide your truth and not be confused by it. Thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand and sing hymn 100.